Hi, this is Shaylin Hudson. I make candles for street for scene creations, and the price is anywhere from three to eight dollars. If you'd like to contact me about purchasing any, you could call me at 907-401-1095. You have a Facebook page? No? Welcome to Horror After Hours. I'm coming to you from the Naughty Guy studio. I'm your host, the Naughty Guy, Adam J. Joining me today is my cousin, JJ Diltz. Introduce yourself. Tell us what you're doing. Uh, my name is Jeremy Joshua Diltz, and I am Simshian, and I'm a documentary filmmaker, photographer. All right. And what kind of stuff have you got going on right now? I mean, you're just talking about documentary. Uh, what are you documenting? Well, right now I'm here in Ketchikan, Alaska, up from Seattle to document my family's history and the heritage of our culture, my people. And um, everything is really new to me. I, my mom passed when I was 11 years old and she was Eagle Clan. And one reoccurring theme that's been coming up on this journey is that when the matriarch of the family dies, that the family falls apart and I'm seeing that happen in my own history. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stories were lost when my mom passed and weren't shared with me again until now and coming back, I'm seeing a lot of stories come to me about my mom that I never knew before. So I'm like building a better picture now at 44 years old. Oh, this is awesome. Um, what kind of things have you learned so far? Well, I have learned that the culture of our people is so rich and it permeates that won't happen and it permeates everything that i uh, that's all around me and just all the time i see it and it's such a huge part of the united states history and specifically our, our work is is everywhere mm -hmm. and i've learned the meaning behind a lot of that artwork that each tells this incredible story of real people who did real things that are just epic beyond belief and I'm learning that we had a lot of heroes. Yeah, we did. And uh, when did this this new journey that you're on, when did this begin? Um, it began about a decade ago, actually. Um, when my cousin Cliff Hudson mm -hmm. came down. I think he was working on boats at the time. And he came to Seattle and was visiting with family and connecting with family. And I went out with him and we were, I think we were out. Doing some karaoke, one of my yeah, That's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of them guys myself. <laughs> yes. It's hard to get me away from the microphone once I get started. <laughs> I'm digging it, man. <laughs> but uh, once you're in that karaoke mood and the epic songs are flowing out of the, the speaker system, you start, my mind switches over to kind of a cinematic mind. So whenever I listen to music, I start building images out of things that I've seen in my own lifetime and ideas that I want to pursue. And one of them was this ex, this epic Simjan story. And I was specifically thinking about the fishing aspect because when I was 11 years old and before uh, my brother, Stuart Diltz 
and my dad, William Diltz, would go up to fish with my mom's family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I heard a lot of wild stories out there on the water. A lot about Uncle Cliff, I'm sure. So much about <laughs> Uncle Cliff. And they were the, the some of the most exciting, scary, funniest stories that I've ever heard. Yep. Uncle Cliff has been an epic fisherman his entire life. And then you've got Uncle Buddy. You've got uh, my dad, Rich. The whole family, we all come from fishing families. It's just really incredible. Uh, again, you know, there's so much history that we didn't know. And this is just awesome. So you are making a documentary. Um, where is this taking you so far? Um, well, it's turned out to be an epic sprawling documentary that I didn't expect. Um, we first started filming in Seattle because a lot of our family is in Washington, mm -hmm. which follows the ancient ways of traveling up and down the coast on the trade routes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's taking me all the way up to Canada, almost to Canada and Bellingham, and then all the way down to the southern end of Washington, to Arizona, in the Mesa, Arizona area, to Very nice. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. To Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was able to visit a Carlisle Indian Industrial School. Really? Where Very cool. My great, great grandfather attended school. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. That was a unique experience. Um, the Indian Industrial School is a place where they were, they're, I think their slogan was to kill the Indian, but save the man. Oh, wow. And so the idea behind that school was for us to forget our old ways so that we can be integrated into the ways that they were trying to assimilate us into uh, the, the economic system, the their hierarchy of the new United States. And that basically became like a cultural genocide where they started taking away the native culture. And it was a tough upbringing for anybody in that time. I mean, we were talking about it the other day. Our, our people were punished for speaking their language. They were forced to cut their hair, forced to speak English. That's something that you know not everybody knew. And now we almost lost our culture because of it. Now there's this recent resurgence of bringing back the Simshian culture finding our heritage, finding our, our past, which is, you know, so important. It's really cool to see you guys making this documentary because you guys are finding out a lot of history that even I didn't know. A lot of stories I'd never heard, a lot of people I'd never met. This is just some really cool stuff to see. Um, what other places have you been to on your journey here? Well, we've visited some pretty amazing places. Uh, one of the highlights of my journey was Totem Bright. Totem Bite? Totem Bite. And it was the biggest collection of totems I've ever seen in my life. And just walking around that area and seeing these different stories raised just right in front of me, I felt like the history, I mean, the history is there on these poles. I mean, it tells the story of real people and mm -hmm. real events. And I think a lot of people just walk by them and think they're these like fantastic. Just pieces of art. Yeah. Art. <laughs> so what the cool thing about the totem poles is that every totem pole tells a different story. And some of them are for decoration. Some are for celebration, like uh, potlatch. Some are memorial pole and some are for, um, what do you call that? Like a stature, societal standing, you know, 
like a chief or mayor or something like that. You know, they get polls like that for memoriam. So it's, it's really unique in that aspect because you kind of have to know the, the artist or the history behind the poll. It's like a signature. Yeah, it really is. And it's really cool stuff to see and really something that can really just pull you in every time you look at it. It's amazing. It definitely pops out a lot more than a book on a shelf would. Yes. So <laughs> being able to experience that is really a lot of fun. If you ever make it out to Totem Bite, there's so much history out there that you know not everybody knows about. And you said your favorite part out there was to be in the clan house. The clan house was amazing. Um, first of all, I did, it was just shocking that I could just go into it. <laughs> I mean, this feels like this sacred building that's just the door was open for me to go in. Mm-hmm. And so walking out from the water, the water's edge into the clan house and just hearing the acoustics change, I could feel like my head change. Mm-hmm. Like there was a pressure change and I'm walking into this, this building that has the perfect ambient lighting for, for storytelling. Yep. And there was a fire pit in the middle and there was four totems, two flanking the entrances, the small circular porthole entrance. And then two really big ones where the chief would sit and tell his stories. And that experience just represented the theatrics of our people. Mm -hmm. And one of my beliefs is that that's the way that you remember history through theatrics, because all your senses are cooking. You've got your your sight, your smell, your, your, your hearing, your touch. I mean, all these people together in a fire and shadows casting everywhere. I mean, that's something you can't forget ever. Okay. What was the first thing that you noticed as soon as you walked into that building there? For me, it's, uh, you hear the steps, you hear that the acoustics in there, just incredible. The, the scent of the red cedar everywhere. It just brings back so many memories of being in the longhouse at Metlakatla. It's just, what was it like for you? I think the scent was very powerful. Yeah. Um, you think when you see an, an old building that it would smell like an old building. But when you walk in here, it smells like a fresh tree. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> That's one of the cool things about cedar is that it it almost lasts forever. The scent of the cedar? Yeah. Wow. It's so strong. It just permeates the air. It's, everybody loves it. A lot of people will carve with yellow cedar because it's a lot more firm. Uh, the red cedar, people do a lot of pulls out of that. Uh I guess it just varies artist to artist, mm-hmm. what they prefer. Wow. Yeah. Just walking through that ascent and then hearing our footsteps as we're walking around the perimeter. And then just speaking. Mm-hmm. You can you can almost feel feel the voice in the air when you're you're speaking inside that building. It makes you pay attention more. Yeah. It's like we're not just listening with our ears. It's like we're listening with our body too. Yeah. So it's a pretty incredible experience. If you've never done it before. You know, check it out. You might like it. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> You'll be blown away. I guarantee it. So it's a lot of fun. Which is interesting, too, because uh, we also visited the Totem Heritage Museum here. Mm-hmm. And to see these very, very ancient totems that have started to lose their... I mean, they've completely lost their color. Mm-hmm. And some of them have lost some of the, the reliefs of their carvings, even. And these poles are behind their temperature controlled glass cases and they're laying vertically or horizontally stacked on top of each other. And it, it gives you 
the chance to view them from top to bottom without having to like climb on a really big ladder. Yeah. That is really cool. <laughs> I haven't been in there yet, and that's a tour I'm going to take soon. It's amazing. I was just to see the faces pop out sometimes, but sometimes they'd be worn away. And so you look, you're looking for some patterns, and all of a sudden you realize you're looking at an eye. And mm -hmm. you back up a little bit, and the whole face comes into focus. <laughs> it's pretty magical. Yeah, that's really cool stuff. Uh, what is next for your your journey? I mean, you guys have been here now in Ketchikan for what five days? Five days. And we've we've done a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. We've had a lot <laughs> of interviews. Met with a lot of people. Uh, seen some of the scenes that the uh, some of the sites that you normally wouldn't see. Mm -hmm. uh, Settlers Cove is not a place not everybody knows about. So Settlers Cove was beautiful. There was, was a rushing river, and there was salmon just like laying out there there's fish just laying and decomposing the ground everywhere <laughs> and you can almost see them like their heads are pointed to the water it's like yeah. the water changed uh, changed levels and they're like trying to swim back but then they die and then you see the birds taking bites out of them mm -hmm. i mean there's just this natural cycle is everywhere and it feels really good it's not like horrific you're like oh there's fish everywhere it's like oh this is gonna be really fertile yeah and this is a beautiful cycle of life. And this is what has always sustained our people is the salmon run. Wow. And there were a lot of berries everywhere. <laughs> you could, you could survive out there. I mean, you could just go out there, have buried, like you could live really high life. You have these marvelous gourmet desserts and you have fish Yep. and the most beautiful scenery you could ever possibly imagine in your life. And where do you come from originally? I mean, obviously from around this area originally, but mm -hmm. where have you been living? I have been living in Washington State. I'm I live just a little north of Seattle, and uh, I haven't been back here since I was six months old. Oh wow! Okay. So this is all fresh to me. I have no recollection. Very cool. And you guys are moving on from here. You where do you go next? We go to Melakala, which is very climactic for me because being here for five days and seeing the island floating right off your front porch here, <laughs> just looking back at me. And at night, it has some lights on it. And it's really interesting because from where we are here in Ketchikan and you're looking at Melikata, it looks like it's the water level is higher and the island is float, is like kind of floating in the sky at night or something. And it has these lights that go around the perimeter, I would say. Perhaps it looks like a UFO. <laughs> but a beautiful one. Yeah. And hearing people constantly referring to it as this place where it's more sunny than here. Yeah. Ketchikan gets, you know, 25% more rain on average. Mm -hmm. So it's always cloudy over here. You get a lot more sun over in Metlakatla. Uh, not as much snow in the wintertime, which is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. But just like here, when it does snow, it turns into slush. Oh, wow. So it makes for... Can't make for a tough winter. And fun driving. Yeah. <laughs> Especially down your big hill. That is interesting. Trust me. Yes. Holy cow. Just walking up it during a rainstorm and watching all these waterfalls cascading out of the <laughs> island. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> it's like the island's resisting the rain. Yeah. There, there have been a few times where Ketchikan has experienced flooding because of so much heavy rain. Oh, wow. So like Ketchikan Creek will flood out. That gets almost disastrous because down at Creek street water was going across the, the bridge mm -hmm. and you need to see how high that, that 
that bridge is from the water normally. Yeah, that's really high. So when it was washing over the bridge, it was pretty bad. Man, there was a lot going on there. Wow. There were mudslides all over the island. It was just crazy times. Wow. But that was a few years back. I uh, can't remember exactly when. Um, I noticed, well, I don't know what to expect when I get to Malakala, actually. Very friendly people. You're going to you're gonna find that pretty much everybody in the community is very welcoming and it's going to feel like family everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Well, truthfully it is, but <laughs> right. you'll really get that experience. I've been feeling that ever since I've gotten here. I feel happier and healthier, if that's possible. There you go. I mean, there's a lot of things that in my normal everyday delay everyday life i'm a photographer filmmaker so i do a lot of i do a lot of music work in the music industry in seattle um documenting bands and doing their social media work tell me a little bit about that oh well it's a really cool gig (laughs) sounds like it sounds awesome yeah i get to go to all the different venues in seattle and i usually get hired by the artists themselves or the venues or their managers and i just stick with the bands and i film their whole tour wherever they're going along, all their antics in between shows and then their shows proper. And then I will edit them together for their social media so they can show. It's really nice because in this day and age, you can go and you can do things, these epic, you know, artistic journeys and have this great show in the middle of some state that nobody's, you know, in a city that nobody might have heard of yet. And you can take that show and you can amplify it and you can show it back to your own fan base. And so it makes everything you do more efficient. Because you're, everyone, nothing you do is wasted. Very it's always cool. preserved. That really sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I love it. And that's uh, what got me to Pennsylvania and allowed me to be able to go to Carlisle um, by traveling with a band called Down North. And we were able to uh, go and play with Hall & Oates. Oh, at, really? At the Hoagie Fest in Philadelphia. No, that's cool. So Hoagie <laughs> I'm a fan of Hall & Oates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're cool. That is cool, man. Oh, here she comes. Yep. <laughs> Watch out, boys. She'll chew you up. That's kind of matriarchal. <laughs> yeah. Great song. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love it. And so I feel like this doing all these things for the last 20 years and studying both video and music and photography has been training me for what I'm doing right here because I'm able to go to that skill bag. And when somebody starts saying something amazing, I'm able to break out the gear really quick because it's just coming <laughs> at me at all directions all the time. Awesome. All right. All right. So I guess uh, we're going to take a short uh, pause with the cause and we'll get back together. We'll be back with uh, my cousin Cliff. So talk to you in a few. Hey, welcome back to Horror After Hours. I got uh, Cliffy joining me this time. So, Cliff. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show here today. Yeah, welcome to Horror After Hours. So, I know you're up to a really cool project right now. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what all this is? Well, I've started a company that provides targeted support for our people. And it is called First Nation Foundation. And we're focusing on providing education and really just actually just reconnecting to our people and our roots. 
Very cool. And where did this journey start? This journey actually started, you know, about uh, last November. I just kind of had a, a quite a turnaround on culture. You know, I wanted to really just reconnect uh, to culture and to family. And, you know, I've been driven on that, you know, and studying our roots and just finding my own past and uh, learning my own past history. Uh, and where we came from, our own people, and where my family came from, it's really allowed me, myself, to kind of just grow as a person. And knowing where I came from allowed me to focus a lot more on where I want to go. Hmm. So uh, did this all start in Arizona? Is this where you began your journey? Um, yeah, I began... I began the journey for the foundation actually in Arizona and it actually happened right around the pandemic time. Oh man. You know, yeah. You know, a lot of things <laughs> okay, so. changed for people you know, right, during explain. this pandemic, you know? And so, uh, a lot of things happened, you know, businesses shut down, you know, people were isolated and they were kind of stuck. And so people had to figure out like, what am I going to do now? You know, there's a lot of things changed. People get laid off. Um, everything changed, you know? So like, okay, we need to slow down and speed up here. You know, yeah, everybody's everybody's mentality changed. Everybody had to, Hey, we can't get too close. We had to, uh, even for podcasting, we couldn't be in the same room. We had to be on the phone or we were outside at a great distance with separate mics. It was really interesting. <laughs> I mean, just around here. Right. And we had, everybody had to kind of figure <clears throat> out how to adapt to that. You know, how do we reconnect to people? How mm -hmm. are we going to talk to people? How are we going to get along with people? And so, you know, everything was already, you know, at quite a high noise level. People are stressed out and, you know, then you add a pandemic on top of that and like, wow, you know, everybody's shocked, you know, and the whole world has to face something now. And so I think now more than ever, you know, it's, it's more important for us to uh, reach out and make connections to the people that are close to us and important to us. And, you know, that kind of starts with your people and your family. And I feel like once you do that, you can really... Uh, find a lot of strength and purpose for yourself and community helps to support each other, you know, and so you build community and that's something that the foundation focuses on is building community. And that's through your, your family, your network and your close personal connections. And so really it is talking about building connections. And one of the best ways to build connections is to know what those connections could even be, you know, and I find that wow, I have a lot of connections that I did not know um, just by discovering my extended family. Yeah, for sure. And I know you've met with a lot of artists along the way, and you're going to meet more, obviously, but uh, who were some of the artists that you've met so far? It was pretty phenomenal. I was fortunate to meet uh, these artists who are basically just uh, driving culture forward and, and preserving it and you know, I call them like culture guardians. You know, I, I, I was, um, they, they guard over the culture, they keep it forward. And they also, they, they push it forward with their thoughts. And as they evolve their ways of how they represent culture and, and, and being a first nations person, uh, it starts to evolve as we go. Cause everybody does it a little bit differently. And one thing I've noticed, and, and I, I've seen it a lot is that our people, you know, and I know all people are, you know, but I, all our people particularly, you know, are very, very talented. You know, they have a lot of different skills. And so the foundation will 
look at providing the basic uh, fundamental support support for them. And that talent will shine. It's mm -hmm. already there. I see it in spades. You know, people are strong, they're hardy, and they like to laugh. Everybody's jovial. That's one great thing about our people. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how hard things get, you know, we end up laughing about things. Yeah. Well, you have to. It's, uh, it's actually a great way to deal with, you know, stress. You know, one way to counteract stress, really. I, I like doing this, my podcast, that stress reliever. I mean, it's, it's fun for me. I'm getting to talk with people that, you know, I haven't connected with in a while. So yeah. you and I, we haven't chatted in, well, not like this for at least two years. That's right. And uh, <clears throat> you had asked which, uh, which First Nations peoples I'd been able to, fortunate to connect with. And so many people are artistic. That category can, can go into so many, so many different directions. Yeah. And for instance, yourself, you know, the, the naughty guy, these uh, crafts that you make with the, with the line, is, mm -hmm. they're incredible and they're evolving. You know, I remember seeing the first one and now, now I see your baskets and things. Those are amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, like everything else, you constantly have to continue to evolve, change with the times, um, reinvent, you know, you see something that could inspire you. Hey, I could do that with rope. That's the way I look at it. I don't know how it is for other artists because I'm not a carver. I used to do a lot of flat designs like sketching and painting, but again, I haven't done that in about a decade. Right. So I'm I'm kind of coming late to the to the show for like uh, indigenous art, First Nations art, our our form line art, you know. And <clears throat> it's it's unfortunate, you know, that it, I came to the table late for that. But now it's like, hey, I'm brand new, you know, and I see everything, and it's all really exciting. Well, I wouldn't say you're late; you're uh, being awakened to it, really. Yeah, great way to say it because that was really what happened. It was such a it was a paradigm shift, mm -hmm. you know, in that in that thought process, you know, and it was really just strongly like, okay, boom, we need to, we need to connect, you know, turn to my people and connect with our family and find our roots. Yep. And through that, there's a, a great, uh, great ability to move forward and together, you know, cause when you find our common ground, you know, our connections that we have in the past, we find ways uh, to work together. And I think that's more important than ever. And so you would ask which people uh, I had been fortunate to, interact with and I was looking for a design for the foundation and of course I would like one of our culture guardians to do that and <clears throat> so I put it on Facebook and, hey like a design here and you know one of the several of them reached out and it was really nice to meet them but I started a dialogue with Henry Green uh, which is he's, he's over a, in BC Canada you probably are aware I've of him. met him one time and he is a great artist Master Carver, great person, really fun to talk to. He knows his history. Just a wonderful person to talk to. And the history that he has taught me, uh, I've been very, very fortunate to, to learn from him. And so when someone's willing to teach, uh, I'm willing to just listen, you know, and I get to sit there and listen to Henry teach me a lot about the history of our people. And it's actually really impressive. You know, it goes back over 20,000 years. Uh, you know, these stories that, that we have, have been actually just started to be verified by the archaeological records and all the anthropological data that, that they got down, you know, via the oral stories, which are known as a mm -hmm. 
Now, you've been here in Ketchikan for six days now, right? That's right. Now, how have your uh, experience has been coming back? It's been a whirlwind, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, explain. This is this has been fun for me too. Yeah, it's been fun, you know, but we wake up every single day and we have something to do. We are you know, turning to our people and we're finding our roots and what I'm doing here is digging into the history in Ketchikan. Well, while I'm here mm-hmm. and connecting with the people that are here. Because the First Nation Foundation, we feel like the best way or one of the better ways to uh support and provide support is to we want to use our own local voices first nations voices to say hey here's who we are here is what i do and so we can kind of quietly come in and provide basic fundamental support for people who already have incredible skills incredible abilities and things that they've been doing for a long time in fact i would say since time immemorial very cool now, what are some of the activities you've done around the uh, catch can? Just in the, the short time you've been here now. Well, we've uh, we've gone out to get some wonderful footage of this rainforest here, the lungs of the world in southeast Alaska. And somehow the weather cooperated. It showed us liquid sunshine <laughs> and real sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. Yeah. yeah. I'm 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 just looking at the differences here, you know, and I'm just marveling at catch can and how it's changed you know since i grew up you know i uh, grew up here in the 80s and you know we used to go to mama ohashi's and you know ben franklin's and those things that were downtown and you know i see how a lot of things have changed here mm-hmm. in catch can and so now that i'm kind of coming back and doing a deeper dive here i can kind of highlight those changes and see how things have you know gotten better maybe some things have gotten a little worse um in the end, it's changed, but it's it's kind of um, interesting to go back and see how uh, a lot of things have also stayed the same in ways, too. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, the old Ben Franklin, which was also known as the old Five and Dime. That was a favorite place for all of us as youngsters to go to. That was the coolest toy store around. They had the most fun games and everything in there. Anything you were looking for, that place had it. It had animals and everything. <laughs> you remember that? They I had do. the fish, the pets. Yeah, they had the fish, the pets, and the toys in the back, for yeah. sure. And you always would go in there and get you know a little bag of popcorn, because that was always oh, available. Popcorn was always free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, who could forget? That's right. Man, those were the days they had that, that old riding horse in the window. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That thing was crazy. You know, it's, uh, that thing could get going pretty good. <laughs> Man. I ought to be young again. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. You know, so it was fun growing up here in Ketchikan in the uh, 80s. It was a special time. You yeah. Know? This is a really unique place with a lot of amazing history here. There really is a lot of cool history, especially when we go up to places like Totem Bite, which I was talking about with uh, JJ. Uh, there is so much to see out there, and there's a lot of stuff out there that people just don't understand. Um. The importance of the clan house being one of the big ones. The importance of the totem poles being another. How to interpret a totem pole is another. You know, so there's a lot of stuff out there. Right. A lot of stuff out there. And there's actually, you know, a totem is kind of a more general term mm-hmm. for it. You know, if you want to be accurate on it, it's actually called a patex. And and that would be in, in Simshan. Mm-hmm. Patex and a patsan. 
And those are the patan are the ones where it's hollowed out in the back. And so it's not as heavy, but a patex would actually be the, just the rounded log. <clears throat> and it would be a full, full log. But the patex is more uh, the house group story. And so actually it's interesting with the Simshan, there are four clans, eagle, raven, killer whale, and wolf. Mm-hmm. And within these clans, there's actually house groups. And so each house group had a chief, also known as a Samoyed. And uh, a mate, the matriarchal law is what governed everything. But the house groups, each uh, house group is like a socio-economical political unit that were independently operating within each tribe. And each tribe, uh, there's actually 15 different Simshan tribes. Uh, and the nine allied tribes are the ones that went to uh, Prince Rupert of the area, you know, now known as Lac Colombs, which is the old name. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So there's a lot of, uh, it's a complex uh, system, actually, for our people. There's uh, house groups within that system, and they're, they have different, uh, the, the Samoygits are the ones that are the chiefs. They're known as real declarer person, because they declare uh, who they are when they raise their patsan um, during a feast, which is known as a potlatch. Mm-hmm. And during that potlatch, the Samoygit, as he's uh, ascending to his new name and title, taking that name of the chief, then he gives gifts from the land and that land, the gifts from the land are proof that he owns the land because he says, these are these, these, this, this blanket that I'm gifting to you, the guests comes from the mountain goat wools that I harvested from these mountains. And Mm -hmm. this dye that I use to make this special color for this blanket is from this beach that I crushed these clam chills, you know? And so, each gifted item to your guest is proof, you know, that, that you've harvested it from your land. And so you say that these are the gifts from your land and you have the usage rights for it. The guests either confirm or deny it uh, during that feast. And so the feast was a complex system. You know, it was a way to patent your things. It was a, a land use system, a resource uses. Um, it was very complex, and those were often controlled by what's known as the Lagi Gigiet, which are the counselor class. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Now, uh, who were some of the other people that you met with around Ketchikan? Let's see. Who didn't I meet with? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you've been really yeah. busy with your interviews, which is awesome. I'm really digging it. Uh, I was there for one meeting. Uh, who was that? So, yeah, well, I've been connecting with family a lot, and I met with uh, Norman Scan yesterday, and that was a wonderful meeting. We got breakfast, and I met with uh, Tom Guthrie and Judy Guthrie. That was phenomenal yesterday. Very cool. And I also met with the Presbyterian Church yesterday morning, too. So that was a very busy day. We started off there at the Presbyterian Church, and... Actually, they're planning on doing an, an event there, you know, to highlight the leaders. And in fact, they want to highlight the indigenous leaders of the Presbyterian Church here in Ketchikan. And one of them happened to be Edward Marsden, uh, who helped to start the church, which is my great, great grandfather. And I thought that was interesting. Well, that's really cool. man. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, you know, you are continuing your journey and you're... Unfortunately, going to be leaving us today. Where are you headed next? 
I'm heading over to Metlakatla. <clears throat> and over there, I'll be connecting with all the family over there and can't wait to talk to everybody about the history of Metlakatla. And it's a very complex history. It is. Of Metlakatla. The Metla, they were known as the Metlakatla Simshians. But the Metlakatla Simshians are actually a very, very diverse and mixed group of people. You know, within the this, Metlakatla this Simshians, we have Clinkets, we have Athabascans, we have Inupiaq, we have, uh, you name it, you know, Carrier, Heisla, Haida, Clinkets. Did I say that already? Mm -hmm. But yeah, we have a, a very, very diverse group of people mixed with the Metlakatla Simshians. We've um, been working together for a long time. And uh, that can be seen in actually just the people that live there and their descendants. Yeah. And we were actually looking at some pictures of some of the, um, what, uh, what did that lady call them? The Simshian heroes or they preserved our history. Uh, I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Can you remember? Right. Me? Yes. Miss Odile Morrison, her orthography, which yes. is a misnomer. And thank you, Miss Ashley Dow for educating us on that. That was very cool because that was, she told us about so many different things. I had no idea. Um, we were told a little bit of a different version of the history. She had everything written down and even had um, paintings that were originally done by a Simshian artist in that time of everything he saw. That was really, really cool. Exactly. It's just incredible to see. Yeah, the things that they, that these people have done, and they are preserving our culture. And this gal, Miss Odile Morrison, is is a hero. Yeah, you know, and 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 this needs to be known because you know there's there's a lot of things that you know we need heroes. We mm -hmm. need heroes, and uh, our people need heroes. But the whole world does need heroes, and you know this is a woman, you know, who was under great oppression, great great oppression at the time. You know, it was not it was not easy to be a First Nations person. And it was also not easy to be what's known as a half-breed, you know, back then. Those were probably especially hard to find a place because you couldn't quite find a place within uh, your people because you're You mixed. weren't accepted by either. Right. And so there's that dynamic. They're kind mm -hmm. of on the virgins there and have to find a way even within that. But she, she managed to, you know, uh, write, put down a writing system for... Uh, the Simshan language, and that's known as the it's 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 a misnomer now. It's been, as she said, it's called the Ridley orthography, but it's, it needs to be renamed as the Odile Morrison orthography. And she's a hero, you know. She is a a strong female leader, and we really have seen strong female leaders uh, within our nations. Now she was the first to translate the the Bible, right? Yeah, she translated the Bible and just put down the whole entire writing system for, for the the Shemalic language. That's and that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and that's preserving something for us to 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 put back together here. Once uh, and 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 all the jobs that every I just want to say thank you for everybody out there who has been, you know, carrying this torch and and keeping culture alive and preserving language. Um, I want to thank you guys all for doing that and teaching me what I can learn. I, I always appreciate learning every, any time I can. And I learn from anyone. Very cool, man. So I think that's just about going to do it for now, but I think we're going to go grab JJ and wrap up another recording here.
So we'll be back in just a short while here, folks. Thanks a lot. Hey, we're back here at the Naughty Guy studio. Something came up and the guys had to take off, but, you know, we had a good time. It's been a fun show. And uh, that's going to be it for today. Hope everyone's safe out there. Wear a mask. You know, stay safe. (laughs) See you next time, folks.